Welcome to the Raise with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. In this episode, we have Pastor Hagen's sermon from this past Wednesday, our final midweek Lenten service from the series, The Road to Redemption. And in this particular sermon, we talked about Daniel and the lion's den and Jesus being sealed into the tomb and the connection there, um, not as precise um, foreshadowing and fulfillment type of connection, but a similarity nonetheless is that seal, that seal that sealed Daniel's fate, as well as the seal, so they thought, that sealed the fate of Jesus. Here goes. Perhaps you are familiar with the the idea and the terms of the two kingdoms of our God, that in the left hand, it is though our God has two kingdoms, and in the left hand, um, are the kingdoms of this world, the power of this world. And in that left-handed kingdom, the kingdom of, of government, which God uses to bring peace and order and goodwill to this world, in that left-handed kingdom, God restrains evil and God punishes the evildoer. That left-handed kingdom has the tool of the law, does not have the tool of the gospel, but it does have the tool of the law. And we see that exercised exercised in various ways, even in tonight's Passion History reading with Jesus on trial. And in the other hand, we talk about the right-handed kingdom of our Lord, the right-hand kingdom, the kingdom of the church, that our God still continues to guard and preserve his church. He still continues to hold on to it, and he still continues to rule in the hearts of people through that church. That's what we're talking about when we pray, like in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. We're asking that the ruling activity of Jesus come to our hearts and to the hearts of others in a greater way. And so as a a citizen of this country and as a Christian, you could say that you're a member of two kingdoms, that you're a member and a citizen or of whatever country you're a citizen of, such as the United States, and you're a member of the left-handed kingdom of our Lord, and you are also a member as a Christian of the right-handed kingdom of our Lord. That left-handed kingdom exercising law, trying to maintain external order, the right-handed kingdom, the ruling activity of our Savior in your heart, that kingdom of law and gospel, that kingdom that the gates of hell will never overcome. And those two kingdoms collide because the left-handed kingdom, although it is used by God to restrain evil in this world, those two kingdoms collide because it is still God's ruling activity carried out through sinful people, carried out even through sinful people with sinful motives, such as our reading from the book of Daniel, that there is Daniel, and he has been doing something that has been legal. And even if it weren't legal, as a citizen of the right-handed kingdom of our God, he still would have an obligation to worship his Lord. But it's legal, on top of being correct, until it's not. And whoever is opposed to him, whoever didn't like him, they, they trump up some charges and they get this silly little law passed that's going to be enforced for only about two months. And that law says that it's impossible, that it is illegal, <laughs> illegal to worship anybody except the king. Trying to use the kingdom of God's left hand to attack the kingdom of God's right hand. And Daniel prays anyway. 
Daniel prays anyway, and he is taken. He is put through a quick trial, and he is thrown into the lion's den with that door sealed shut. And it looks like it should be his grave, that he would never come out of there, that even if, even if they were to find um, any remains, it wouldn't be worth writing home about, in the very least. They throw him in there, and they seal it shut. And it looks like the kingdom of the left hand has won. As they oppose God's people, as the kingdom of the left attacks the kingdom of the right, it looks like nothing but death for God's people. Or we see the reflection and the echo in even greater detail as Jesus stands before Pontius Pilate. And there is Pontius Pilate. The, he's the, the ruler, the governor of that area. He is the one who has the final say in all these things. He is the one who is obligated to follow their written law, but for the sake of convenience, for the sake of avoiding a riot, for the sake of keeping his job, he washes his hands. What's one more Jewish life? Let's just give them what they want and get on with our day. And you can see, you can see the echo of that animosity between the ruler of this world, that yes, Satan will want to use the hearts of unbelievers, that Satan will want to use the authority of this world to attack and, and tear down the kingdom that our Lord has built. And it's this tug, and, tug of war back and forth. And this one too, it looks like the kingdom of the left hand has won. It looks like, like God's ruling activity in that left-handed kingdom isn't sufficient to even save his own son's life. It looks like the devil has won, and Jesus is condemned to death, and he's buried in a tomb. And the Jewish leaders go to Pontius Pilate, and they say, well, that, that man said that he would raise himself from the dead. So why don't you seal the tomb shut? And it looks like the end. It looks as though... It looks as though Jesus has lost. It looks as though that kingdom of the right hand has no actual authority or ability. It looks as though God's people had placed their hope even in the wrong place. That in this world, it looks like we are simply left at the, the mercy of that left-handed kingdom, of the unbeliever who would use the authority of government to tear down God's church. That's what we've seen in our readings tonight, and that's what we've seen throughout history. And the question before us, as we see Daniel sealed in the lion's den and Jesus even sealed in the tomb, is it possible? Is it possible that we too will one day face um, attack from the left-handed kingdom for being a Christian? Is it possible? Well, I would say definitely. It might not be as overt as Daniel. It might be something such as, you know, your tax dollar is going to support something that does not line up with the will of our God. It might be as simple as, as your tax dollars going to, to endorse something that goes against the clear word of God. It might be as bad as being thrown in the lion's den with, with Daniel. 
or it might not take that form at all. But there's definitely the question, can our Savior really be trusted? When it looks like we are here at the mercy of the kingdom of the left hand. When it looks like, um, you know, God says that he governs the world, that all authority in heaven and on earth belong to him, that he restrains the evil of this world through the work of his government, and yet, and yet, there goes Daniel thrown into the lion's den, and there is Jesus crucified, even though he is innocent, and the, the judge knows it. And where do we fit? Is it possible that we would suffer injustice at the hands of those who oppose the church? Is it probable that the unbeliever and Satan himself would love nothing more than for you to despair in the face of, of opposition? Is it even probable that Satan would want to use God's good gift of government to try to restrain your Christian voice? Well, look at Daniel, <laughs> look at Jesus, and look at us. But I think the greater danger isn't whether that kingdom of the left hand will be used apart from God's intended purpose. I think the greater kingdom is that they wouldn't have to. And isn't that, isn't that the major question? Daniel had the freedom to worship any other way. He could have gone into a different room. He could have um, said, you know what, I don't, I don't have to worship right now. I could do it in the middle of the night. I don't have to pray three times a day facing Jerusalem. I could just pray in my head. And then he wouldn't have faced any sort of opposition, any sort of persecution. Or Jesus. Jesus could have used his divine power and authority to correct that miscarriage of justice. Jesus could have stepped in and snapped his fingers and deposed Pilate from his throne and said, all right, I'm the king now, <laughs> and now there's going to be retribution. But is it possible that the greater danger we face isn't the opposition from the forces of this world or the opposition that may be even prompted by the devil himself, whom Paul calls the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that as long as we live in this world, we are, in a sense, um, in his domain. But perhaps the greater danger would be that that kingdom of the left hand wouldn't have anything to go on that my Christian life has become such a personal, private matter that I just carry it out and without a word to anybody outside of me, that it may have become such a personal and private matter that I take for granted the freedom that we, that we have in this country and I don't use it. Is it possible that even though I am not under the threat of a den of lions, that even Daniel himself was more consistent in prayer than I. And there would be no need to silence my voice when I've already silenced it myself. Maybe you've had that same experience. Maybe you've had that same inkling of a realization 
And sometimes it shows up as, well, if I were in Daniel's shoes, or if I was in the sandals of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we've got this gigantic, tall, 90-foot-tall um, golden statue, well, that would be the day that I would stand up, even when everybody else is bowing down to it. And that would be the day when I would pray to my Lord, even when, even when I could have avoided the lion's den entirely. That would be the day that I would gladly die for my Lord and, and die for my faith. <laughs> but the bigger issue is that Jesus hasn't called you to die for your faith, at least not today. He's called you to live for him today and to die to yourself. That as a citizen of the right-handed kingdom, that he has created within you this new heart that loves to serve him, that he has created with you, within you this new heart that wants to obey him, and even new eyes that sees the loved ones around you, those God has brought into your life, those that God has provided for you to demonstrate love toward or to take care of, and God hasn't called for you to die for him today with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Jesus, but he has called for you to die to yourself and to live for him today. And set up in comparison um, between daily dying to my own selfish wants, needs, and desires and daily rising again as rising from the waters of baptism, daily rising to serve God by serving my neighbor. <laughs> Given those two options, so much of me would say, I'll just take the lions. You know, one day, and I'll, I'll stand up, and, um, and I'll stand up for Jesus, and my name will be remembered for the rest of recorded history, but the day-to-day -day task of, of loving my neighbor and loving my neighbor in a way that most people wouldn't even notice. That there's no recognition in it for me. <laughs> that, um, that I'm not going to be remembered necessarily on the pages, well, not on the pages of scripture, at least not by name. And our sinful flesh still wants to weasel in there and say, you know what? Maybe we can still work this for our good. But Jesus calls us to die to ourselves and to live for him. So thank God for that second seal. I mean, the first seal of Daniel sealed into the lion's den um, and put there by the hand of the, the ruler of the land. Thank God for that first seal that, uh, that Daniel was clear in his confession. But his example doesn't do anything to actually change your heart, but that second seal does. Jesus sealed into that tomb so that you and I can have confidence that, no, his body wasn't stolen. <laughs> the exact same thing that they were trying to prevent, they ended up proving. That, that seal on the tomb proved that nobody could have come to steal his body. And yet Jesus rose from the dead anyway. And as he broke the seal on that tomb, that resurrection gave power to your resurrection in the water of baptism. That there at baptism, God buried you with Jesus, God raised you with Jesus, and raised you to live a new life as a new, newly born citizen of that right-handed kingdom.
that kingdom of grace, where Jesus continues to carry out and extend his ruling activity in your heart so that you can see the people around you with new eyes, eyes that love our Lord and eyes that love to serve neighbor. What does that look like? Well, it might not be as glamorous as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing there and saying, you know what, Nebuchadnezzar, do with us what you want, but we're not going to bow down. Our God can save us, and even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. It might not be as, um, as Hollywood moment as Daniel bowing down and saying his daily prayers and being carted off to the lion's den. What does that look like? It might be something as simple as taking a moment when you wake up or before you go to sleep to think of that loved one and to pray for them. It might be as simple as, as thinking of what that person needs from you uniquely and individually, that in all of our relationships, there are things that we bring and things that we receive. And with all these different people, we bring, it's like we bring different gifts to that relationship and receive from those people different gifts as well. And you know what that really looks like and what that is really called? Well, that's, that's fellowship, a sharing together of the gifts that Jesus has put in your heart and mine, a sharing together of the gift of forgiveness of sins, life and salvation, a sharing together of having been raised to life with Jesus through holy baptism together and, and now living not for what I want and not in fear of what the devil would want, not in fear of the unbelieving world and its worldly government and their power, not living for me, not living for them, but living for him. That Jesus has created within you a new heart. And that Jesus has said, dear friend, you are brand new. And the life that you have, as a statement of fact, it's not, it's not like, well, here's Jesus and now live up to his example. It's a statement of fact that Jesus broke that seal on the, on the tomb when he rose from the dead. And that freedom is the exact same freedom that he gave in your baptism, that he broke the grip of the devil on your heart so that you can have a new life living for him. So go ahead. Whether it's um, as you carry out your tasks in this world or as you look at the people that you love, go ahead and remember that you've been raised to a new life with Jesus. There's no reason to fear the seal on your tomb or to fear the government authority of, of Daniel 6 or our, or our gospel reading today. Why? Because you're a citizen of the kingdom of the right hand. And your king, even though he was crucified, your king raised himself from the dead, and you have been raised to life with him. Amen. Amen.